Welcome, my fellow wannabes. Welcome to my show, my podcast. I am Gabriel Fast. I am the wannabe critic. And joining me, uh, what is it, like 70 miles away or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. We have Ethan Maestri, host of The Age of Geek. How are you feeling, Ethan? Hello, wannabes. I'm feeling great. Good. It's good to have you, man. We've We've tried to make this episode happen for a long time, and... Ladies and gentlemen, um, I just want to tell you right now, whenever you do stuff over Discord, it's it, it can be a little, you know, it can it just it is what it is, you know what I mean. But if you're here along for the ride, uh, we're trying to just have a, a nerdy conversation here. We're not trying to save anybody's life. But if you hear some static or any sort of echoing or something like that, that's just that's just uh, that's just the price we pay to to have these conversations. Um, understand this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think they'll understand. I think it'll be fine. Um, speaking of saving lives, coronavirus is not saving anybody's life. Wow. We just, we you took us there, huh? I, I, I just, I really want to go there because I don't want to, like, lose my mojo. We, we were talking about it off, off mic. And so they canceled South, South by Southwest. I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but... Um, we're, we just heard the news today that South by Southwest got canceled. Now, Ethan, what are your thoughts on it? Um, you know, I, I'm not the type of person that likes to panic, but you know, we have seen in this country, in the United States, where you and I live, middle of the United States, we've kind of watched things happen uh, very quickly. I mean, it's all been on the West Coast where people have been having to deal with it, and the word is it, it'll take care of itself. Don't worry about it. But now, uh, a, a case was just reported in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's a hundred miles down the road from me. You wow. know, so it's it's definitely shifted the tone in the last, particularly several days. And now people are really starting to think about it. Now we've seen, like you said, South by Southwest. That's huge. Um, yeah. that has a huge impact. But this is the reality of the time that we. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's. It's surprising, but at the same time, it's kind of not like there's all kinds of diseases that have been in various parts of the world um, that we haven't necessarily been affected by. So it would make sense that finally something comes around that's now affecting everybody, including us. But I didn't know that about Tulsa. That's kind of wild. Yeah, that makes me, you know, take take the uh, the council, so to speak, a little bit more seriously. And you know what? The coronavirus happened because y'all ain't washing your hands. Um, I, I wash, I wash my hands. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I, I'll tell you what, I'm go- I'm going to the grocery store the other day, and I had to take a leak, so I go, and then it occurred to me that this is just the norm in my area. Apparently, every single time I have to go to the bathroom, there's always someone else in there, and they never wash their freaking hands. You want to, and I bet, I bet it'll start happening. People will start calling people that out. Yeah, it will. It's like, dude, wash your, wash your hands. Like you're in a place, you're going to be handling food. You're going to be handling like products, you know? And like, what if you don't want that product and you put it back and you have coronavirus, like, you know, and then it's spreading in the store. Like it's, I don't, it makes me think there was this game that came out a long time ago called Plague Inc. Do you remember that game? That game? Yeah. Yeah. That's literally what's happening. Like, 
someone has designed a uh they keep upgrading the the stats of their virus and like everybody's just gonna die all at one time we probably all have it already and then boom it's just gonna be like zombie infestation and then um it's it's just all gonna be done you know what i mean uh, but and here's the thing it, it's two two things i take away from all this one remember your manners wash your hands right just like your mom used to tell you to do it the other thing is uh, yeah, i've listened to a couple of interviews of people that have had the virus and it's very mild yeah it's it's not like having a, the full-blown uh dry cough a high fever uh you deal with that for a few days and then it runs its course and it's, it's not that bad the problem is is the older population yeah and ones that we're concerned about yeah yeah, that's what my wife was telling me about, like, the coronavirus. It's it's um, really hard on the older the older folks. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of old people around. <laughs> you know, that's probably bad to say. I don't know what classifies an old person. But, you know, there's just – it comes up – it just – it needs to be taken seriously, you know. I, I think that I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I don't want to panic. I don't want to be, like, super-duper paranoid about it. But at the same time, you know, just – yeah, going back to what you're saying, just – just be be a, a good be a good human being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so but we're not here to talk about the coronavirus. True, for, that's true. That's for an hour. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about the Thrawn trilogy. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Thrawn trilogy is, it was a series of books that came out after Return of the Jedi. That basically started the Star Wars expanded universe. That's correct, right, Ethan? Absolutely. Yeah. So we have Lucas signed off on these books. Um, you know, at one point, you know, Lucas is like, okay, I don't want to continue the story anymore. And uh, you know, this this new universe that we're starting, it's to it's basically it's fan service. You know, like basically the the first one of the first times I think fan service really meant a lot to the larger community because is there star trek books oh yeah there yep. is okay and this speaks to the reason why i got into the star wars books more so than the star trek books although i do have quite a few of the star trek books I enjoy but where star trek had the books they didn't consider them to be canon and that was the difference with star wars is it had george Lucas's blessing and we from 1991 on, uh, uh, the expanded universe that th that was how Star Wars progressed. Yeah, so I wasn't around really for for that time, you know, where the expanded universe was a thing. I am just now getting into it. Um, but I was thinking about this, like, especially because I read the comic version of this trilogy, and you read all three of the books. And there, while there, the, the comic does have a lot of detail in it, I'm sure it doesn't hold a candle to the detail inside the books. Um, but I was thinking, I was like, I could understand even just from this story alone why people would be upset with the new stories that have come out um, that are now canon, and now this story is thrown away, you know. I could I could understand how, how you would... You, I, I don't think anything whatever really live up to uh those standards because 
it's like you said before, you know, you live with those characters and, and their stories. And the, I have to say, like Timothy Zahn, the writer of the of the, the books, he really, I felt like, pushed the characters kind of to their, to, to new directions even. Like, you saw new sides of the characters. You saw Leia really step up and become a, uh, you know, a political warrior in a lot of ways like you saw her really kind of you know take up the mantle so to speak and um you didn't really see a ton of that go ahead yeah well i was gonna say we had had star wars books before heir to the empire in 1990 there had been a number of other books that have been written during the time the movies were coming out but they were all kind of written without full knowledge of where george lucas going with trilogy and and you when you read some of those books it suffers and you can tell this was the first book uh timothy zahn's heir to the empire 1991 this was the first one where when you read leia like you're like you're just talking about or when you read luke or han or chewy it felt like the characters you were familiar with in, in the movies and the story that he was telling felt very much like a star wars movie and not just some fantasy writer coming up with something with Star Wars, you know, slapped on the front yeah, of it. Yeah, like slapping, just slapping Star Wars on, on the on the cover of it. And I, yeah. I yeah. definitely, I definitely agree with what you said. You know, like whenever you, whenever you're reading Han, whenever you're reading Leia, it really feels like those characters to me. Um and I would even argue, you know, the stuff with Luke in this story, it doesn't really hit the same way for me. It doesn't really feel like it's concentrated so much on him. It's more about, like, the, the universe and the world itself. And, you know, just, just from my interpretation or what I got out of it, um, I still liked it's Luke. Not, you know, like, Luke... Yeah. Uh, it's not about Luke. It's about what's happening in the universe that Luke inhabits. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, he, he does play a part, you know, there is a, a force user, you know, that we'll talk about in a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed, I don't think this is a perfect story by any means. Um, as far as, you know, cause we are, we, we talked about this before on the show, how you and I are two different types of star Wars fans. And I think this is a really good, I mean, you have one of the best bad guys ever. Uh, smart, really, you know, um, tactical, which is Thrawn. But yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this story. I think it would be hard for me to go back through it again, um, just because there is so much there. And if I did go back through it, I would have to like read the books, and I probably would never finish the books because I don't read. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I let me tell you, there's read. a great way around that. Uh, and this last time I went through them to prepare for this podcast i actually rented or borrowed from the local library they had the 25th anniversary audiobook and that is just a phenomenal way to get that story and to get the feel of the environment of that universe it was really enjoyable going through the audiobook okay yeah I, if i when i when, uh, I, I am in, I, I am interested in the lore of the story, and I think if I was to go through them again, um, that's probably the avenue I'd probably go is uh, listening to it. But um, I want to, you know, basically get it started. Let's let's kind of start our deep dive here. We kind of, you know, we're teasing a little, a little bit of the things we wanted to talk about. But 
Um, I want, you know, in true wannabe fashion, I kind of want to start by asking you, you know, it's kind of something I've been doing for a while now, whatever we're talking about, do you like the Thrawn trilogy? Um, the short answer, yes. I mean, this is one that I grew up with as a teenager and every, I've probably been through this trilogy four times now. Uh, this last time being the fourth time that I've gone all the way through it. And these three books really kind of harness and encompass everything that the expanded universe was going to be doing in just giving you more Star Wars to, and introducing you to characters that you are going to carry forward with you. And you are going to see them branch off and go in different directions and grow. And this is the jumping off point. And yeah. so really there there is no other trilogy in any of the books or or any of the standalone books to me that are as important as the Thrawn trilogy. I mean it is the cornerstone on which everything is built. Yeah. It there's a lot of history there, you know. And um it it's crazy to me and spoiler spoiler alert by the way, we're going to be heavily spoiling these books. So if you want to read them or watch a you know recap video or, or you know if you want to experience this story in some way shape or form without us really talking you know hearing us talk about it, I don't know why you even clicked on this to begin with because we're gonna spoil the crap out of this but um I it's crazy to me that you know that was a time where Leia has kids to uh, twins and I'm thinking to myself like it, it just kind of clicked I'm like holy crap People were reading this and thinking like, oh my God, like Leia's pregnant and then twins pop out and it's like, whoa, like you're that there's so many stories to tell. There's so much that can be done. You know, that would have that that must have excited you whenever you were younger, you know, knowing that there was a whole other legacy to tell with those two, you know, those two kids. And then at the end of this book, on top of that, Mara Jade, who hated Luke supposedly a lot of that you know didn't really have a lot to do I don't think she really hated him you know we kind of learn more about that later but her and Luke obviously are clicking so you have all these potential stories and like you gotta you, I mean what was that like whenever you were my age you know reading this like what were you incredibly optimistic or I mean what was your thoughts going through you know whenever you were my age well to to the idea of Leia having children. Yeah, that's cool. Han and Leia, they they're they're parents now. That's what happens. Um when I was a teenager, you know, that didn't really have an impact with me. I wasn't as interested in the the infants, right? Um but then the great thing is is if you stay with the expanded universe, you get to see those two kids grow up and become adults and become Jedi and you know they become important characters to you in their own right so really it's going back and revisiting this trilogy and seeing the birth of Jason and Jaina and re-experiencing that and knowing what happens to them going forward uh, yeah there's a there's a bit of nostalgia that kicks in when you uh, <laughs> when you read through this trilogy um Do you think that this trilogy has aged well? Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. In my mind, okay. uh, 
it definitely hasn't. And I think that's the great thing is I think anyone that's looked at the has watched the most recent trilogy. And if that has, you know, caused them to want to hunger for more Star Wars. This is a great time for you to take a step back and look at what the EU did and see you'll see the you'll see the genetic line in there. It's Star Wars just as much as the original trilogy or the prequels or this last trilogy. Yeah, I I definitely think I think for a modern audience, you know, because nobody reads anymore, you know, and it's it's kind of sad. Like, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that do read, but just as a whole, like people in my generation aren't really reading, you know, they're doing other things. They're playing video games. They're watching The Bachelor. They're, you know, doing all this stuff. And I just feel like to a certain audience, I think it would probably appeal, you know, for me, because it did for me. I was like, OK, well, I know I'm not going to read it book form so I need to find a different way to to enjoy it so that's why I went to the comic because it was like watching a movie you know and I have to agree with you you know overall I think there's always going to be parts of people that even though they want more Star Wars they're not going to go looking for something like this or I do think that there are parts of the story that may not click with them as much because there's a lot of there I don't want to say I don't want to call it filler because it's important but there's a lot of dialogue um you know, with especially like on the political side, the political intrigue is very heavily um, influencing (laughs) this story. You know what I mean? Go for it. Didn't like the political intrigue from Phantom Menace. Uh, It may not translate well for you in this book series either. Yeah, I and you know, I just recently, you know, within the past couple years came around to liking all that stuff in Phantom Menace and, you know, cause there's a lot of that in there. And I do think it's a necessary part of star Wars, you know, to have it in there, but there's a lot, even in the comic. I mean, I'm like, okay, when, you know, when is something exciting going to happen? But whenever something exciting does happen, you kind of appreciate those moments with all the political banter and intrigue because it set you up for that. You know, it's like, okay, all this stuff is happening. Okay. We're, we're talking about this fleet. You know, and I suppose we should probably go kind of in depth on what, because these names of these books are actually kind of misleading, <laughs> and I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, I didn't really know what to expect whenever I first started reading it. But we'll get into that in a minute. But I, you know, to answer my own question about it being aged well, I think yes and no. I think if someone is willing to put in the time to read it they're going to enjoy it. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of people that would probably get halfway through this, especially younger people get halfway through it and get bored, you know, and that's sad because you shouldn't be getting bored in a star Wars thing, but it's definitely not as flashy. It's not nearly as flashy as these new stories that have come out. And I think, go ahead. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to say that's interesting to hear it coming from your perspective. I mean, cause you're, I, while in conversation, I consider you uh, of us of the same generation. You are actually a generation after me. Yes. And so for me at 14, 15 years old, growing up and reading these books, this was the most exciting thing on the market. Right. right. I mean, this was <laughs> this was way better than what Star Trek was serving up. Right. Uh, far more action packed. And now, you know, people they feed off of that. I mean, they're so used to getting what they want from Netflix and Hulu and Disney plus and whatever else. I, I can see what you're saying. There is someone of the current generation, the newest generation. 
that would try and take these books on, they might find themselves at times saying, oh, well, let's get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it it, it sucks whenever, you know, because I'm kind of going for this whole wannabe critic shtick, you know, and it's frustrating when you start making a practice out of that, you know, because that's been ever since I was on your podcast, I was like, OK, well, obviously I have a voice and um, you just start kind of looking at things a little bit differently, I think. So there's a part of me, you know, there's a part of me going through this, these stories, loving it, you know, loving the character stuff. I love, I love what Timothy Zahn has done with the characters. Mara Jade is absolutely infectious. I love her. And is she your character in the book? Man. Cause I hear you talking about her a lot just in our back and forth as we've gotten pretty kind of prepared for this yeah i i think she might be my favorite part of this you know my favorite introductory you know she's done very well and yeah i think that might be the most interesting or not the most interesting but probably my most my favorite facet of what i've read and that just contributes to the story that's being told with her is that what you're kind of honing in on or is there something else so well, I think it has to do more with, you know, she was obviously very close to um, the emperor, you know, and it, it there, there's kind of a, 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 like some symmetry there in the story, like with the Nogri, the Nogri ultimately end up, Thrawn thinks that he has them at his beck and call, and, um, you know, they betray him, basically, <laughs> And the same thing happens with Mary Jade. Mary Jade, you know, the Emperor thought that he basically had her completely won over. He was controlling her. And in the end, you know, the very same thing happens. Um, I, You know what? I don't see it that way. Really? Okay. She betrayed the Emperor. He died. Right. That's and true. Him up until he died. Um, and then it's that slow process in this, what, five years after Return of the Jedi, after his death. It's this five years of her running around and doing different jobs and coming to terms with death. And I think that's what we see happen with her in this book, at least in the novels that I read. Now, you may be getting a different impression from the the graphic novels, and I'm a little curious to, to talk with you a little further about that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think... It's just the 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 appeal of she knew things about the emperor supposedly that nobody else knew, you know, and I, I really like that because I, I I think the emperor is like one of the best bad guys of all time, and uh, you know I I I've always been drawn to that character more so even than Darth Vader. Um, I've always loved the emperor, so I think that's I don't know. It's like this weird connection I think I have with that, or it's not a connection, but it's just this weird like obsession that I have with that character. And it's like, it's like whenever your friend knows something that you don't know. And like, you're just like, come on, man, like, tell me, I I really want to know. It's kind of feels a little bit like that. Like I'm, I'm interested in seeing what else she, as I'm going along, like what else is she going to divulge about the emperor? What else is she going to say about the emperor? Cause I totally get that because I I hear what you're saying. Palpatine uh, of all the Sith we've known, he was the most pure Sith. He was the, the biggest evil. And so when you see someone that was so closely associated with that, you want to know what their story was. What was your perspective on the guy? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, the main story of star Wars, Ian McDermott, an interview, um, really, I was like, you know, 
loving the interview. Sorry, I'm, I get kind of burpy. You know what I mean? Um, I was loving the interview because he was talking about the character, and he was like, you know, this character, this this slimy guy, has really been the focal point and the true the true evil. Anything we see happen in the movies is a direct result of his puppeteering, you know, and his um, coordination and just how smart he was. Yeah. And and here was another thing that these novels did for us and probably the graphic novel. Did the graphic novel talk about the trees that were in the courtyard? Mm, trees in the courtyard. On Coruscant? That, Brief, okay. Briefly. In, uh, in uh, the second book? Uh, it's either the second or the third book. Uh, very briefly. Book. I think it, yeah. I think very, very briefly it talked about okay. some trees. So in the novel, uh, you get a little more in depth about how, and this just speaks to Palpatine being, you know, 20 steps ahead of, in front of everyone else. He plants these trees in the courtyard of the palace, right? So that he can eaves through these trees, take, the sound waves of people speaking in the courtyard, translate them into electrical pulses and then record them so that he can listen in eavesdrop on people's conversations inside the palace. And so this source is what Thrawn has when he hears the senators and, and Mon Mothma and Leia, whenever they're having conversations in the courtyard area, uh, these are translated and then sent out and Thrawn basically gets to do the same thing. It's the eavesdrop. And it's just, it speaks to Palpatine's uh, hubris and intelligence to be able to keep tabs on things going on across the galaxy and right under his nose at the same time. Yeah, that's so, okay, yeah, so I didn't get any of that in the book. So basically the, or in the comic, so those trees planted, Thrawn was able to utilize that same thing, like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he had uh, the the algorithm or whatever it was that translated, uh, you know, put the packets together and would send them to Palpatine. Basically, Thrawn had a way of co-opting that so that it would transmit off planet, and he would have those same those same transmissions. So he could basically read everything that was being said in the palace on the, Repu- uh, the New Republic side. So whenever he was in his whenever he was in his room looking at the screen that's what that's why he was always so ahead of everybody oh absolutely okay yeah, so he had, he had an ear basically in just about every conversation in certain parts of the, the palace so he knew exactly what was going on see, just that, like Palpatine. that's crazy to me because unless i missed it you know i i've i read the first two you know the, the first two parts a couple months ago and then I'd been slowly making my you know, life set in. So I'd slowly been making my way through the third part, but yeah, I, I don't remember anything about that. So that that's awesome because you know, and that just goes to show like if you have time to read, you should. And this is why a conversation like this works because as I had a very visual representation, whereas you had something with a lot of detail, that's incredible. Yeah. That just shows, I think the word, you know, the cunning of Palpatine. Yeah. You had made a couple of, uh, comments about Thrawn and asking about him. How, how is he so far ahead of everyone else? This is one of the key components that allows him. Yeah. Plus he's just, he's smart. How is, is functioning. Yeah. And it makes him so intelligent. Yeah. And I mean, and he has, he has a mind for warfare anyways. And that was another thing too, is I think the, the, the space warfare, um, 
you know, just as far as like, you know, the the Star Destroyers getting from one point to another and, you know, being in one place. I really like seeing that because we don't see Thrawn, aside from whenever he approaches Sabath, we never really see Thrawn doing anything else except being in his Star Destroyer planning and coordinating. And yeah. I, I really, really liked that because, you know, he doesn't have to wear a cape and, you know, have a lightsaber to be intimidating. And right. I I loved knowing that there was somebody in the Empire that was still taking care of business, whereas, you know, comparatively speaking to this new trilogy, it makes them look like a joke. And yeah. I, I, you know, it, it, I hate to say it because I, I love the new movies for different reasons, but um, yeah, I, I think that the Empire factor of things the the actual empire rebel thing because it's not really rebels anymore it's the new republic you know it's the new republic and uh i guess it is the empire you know the empire versus the new republic what's left of the empire would you say that's accurate oh absolutely and this was one of the things that made it so difficult for me to transition between what the eu had told me and what the new movies were telling me the mo- the new movies um it didn't seem as believable because of having Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. And him being there shows you that people in the Empire were still capable and there was still fight left in the Empire. It yeah. didn't just disappear when the Ewoks started throwing stones at the stormtroopers. Right. You know, it was, it, didn't it, it was like, way. yeah, there was someone there still holding the reins. And, it, you know, it, it, it's, it speaks to the, uh, the the permanence of what Palpatine built, yeah, that, that it would carry on for you know quite a while. Right, after. he didn't have to. He didn't have to raise an entire fleet of star destroyers out of uh, the Sith planet. He already yeah. had. It, he already had it set up. <laughs> he had it. He had yeah, it set up. Should anything happen to him, yeah. Um, but of course, that wasn't Palpatine. That was Palpatine's clone. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let, let's digress. Let's talk about this for a minute. Okay. So. What, what? Okay. Do you like that? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. If if that's the decision that the 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 movie creators wanted to make or did make, um, I accept it. You know, it it actually helps answer perhaps some questions that made it more difficult for me to buy into the last movie. But mm-hmm. you know, so it works. Yeah. I, I I am perfectly content with it, honestly, because to me it's like we've already seen, you know, with the Dark Empire comic, there obviously were borrowing ideas from that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and <clears throat> Well, it even shows up in Last Command. You know, cloning yeah. is a thing. Yeah, the clone yeah, in Last Command. The the at some point, you know, Palpatine had made the decision to stop using stormtroopers and you know, he was he was using more clones. Um, yeah, yeah. I, so it's it's not like there isn't a precedent in the EU. Yes, or yes. what they did in this final movie. So yeah, I can accept it on that basis. Yeah, same here. I and you know I think there's just something I, I love Palpatine and and the Rise of Skywalker. I wish we had more of him. There's something off about him, and it kind of overall I. I'm fine with it. I'm. I'm. It honestly, it kind of completes the circle a little bit because Anakin was supposed to be the chosen one, but he wasn't. He messed it up. 
So if like the prophecy was now being transferred to Luke, you know, in a way like Anakin was or Luke was Anakin's offspring. So in a way, like the Skywalkers fulfilled what they were supposed to do. They killed the emperor. But if the emperor had it, if he had it set up in such a way, you know, because he is smart to um, have clones, you know, to where he could just basically force pop in there, you know what I mean, whenever he wanted. I mean, he obviously must have known that the cloning process wasn't perfect because, um, you know, the, the description I read talks about how, um, like, those fluids that are injected why he has to be connected to life support all the time is because we know Jedis can't really be cloned. So up until he sucks the life force out of Kylo Ren or Ben Solo and Rey, it would make sense why why he would have to be connected at all times, and those those vials in his skin were like keeping his skin alive, is what I read it as being depicted. But I don't know. I feel like it's kind of safe at the same time. But like you said, it kind of it kind of wraps some things up. It kind of ties up some loose ends. But at the same time, it is kind of safe. I mean, from the moment we saw the trailer and we heard his voice cackling there at the end of it, that was the first thought in my head was, oh, he's been cloned. Yeah, because you know, that's just that's something that we've seen. Like we saw it in Last Command. We like you said, uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Dark Dark Force, Dark Dark Force. Empire, Dark Empire. Yeah, you know, those are ideas that we've already been exposed to for the past 20, 30 years anyway. Yeah. And it was obvious, I think, that the writers liked parts of that that they wanted to, you know, kind of bring to the light. And, I, you know, to, to be fair, we did see we did see clones of Snoke. We did see clones, you know, the the cloning technology. We saw the vial, you know, the vat of Snoke clones. So, I, you know, I do think that there was a little bit of footwork laid there, you know. But at the same time, it would have been nice to have it in the movie. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a pretty big factor to yeah. not just come out come out right and say like, yeah, I'm a clone. You know, like I don't I don't know I don't understand. We 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 could okay. go go ahead. Robot version of that. What'd you say? I, I said you just did the robot chicken version. <laughs> so in, in that scene, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ray. She shows up in front of him, and he comes out of the shadows and says, "I'm a clone." <laughs> oh, this is like a real thing. No, I'm oh. just saying we, we just wrote it. I think. Okay. Yeah, that's exact. Yeah, that's exactly what's gonna happen. The robot chicken and Family Guy versions. You guys that's owe right. me. You guys owe me a check for a million dollars each. Um, Keep your eye out. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do have one more thing before we kind of keep going. One more thing I kind of want to digress. We could have done this at the end of the show. What are your thoughts on the High Republic? The High Republic? Have you heard of this? This new book series that's coming out? No. Oh, dude. I I just got a nosebleed because I'm in disbelief. Okay, well, after this, after this show, you need to go look up the High Republic. They're launching. Disney has launched a whole new comic book uh like it's a whole new saga basically it's 200 years before Reven- uh, before phantom menace and um they're telling a new story so it's gonna it's like gonna intertwine with um i think they said you know starting off as books a publishing campaign but i think there's talks to bring in new shows and stuff with it too so okay so they're actually not they're not dealing with prequel original or uh, Disney trilogy timeline stuff. 
Yeah, they're starting something completely new. Well, that's that's exciting because that's kind of what I wanted anyway. I wanted yeah. to go outside of, you know, the we've gotten so much material in these in between that it's it, I would like to see something outside of it. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because like there's a bunch of alien alien races. Like there's a Wookiee holding a lightsaber. Like there's a lot of like there's different races on the on the cover that I saw. Like I don't know. I'm excited too. I'm excited to see what kind of comics come out of this because. I think this is, yeah, definitely do. I think this is exactly what Star Wars needs right now. But anyways, let's get back to our main conversation. You had we had we had a little, we had a little bit of technical difficulty there that I had to kind of, you know, we're just trying to get some kinks worked out. But, um, let me okay. I want I want to talk about something that kind of disappoint disappointed me. Um, so first of all, I have a question. Whenever that planet they go to at the end of uh, the last command, that is Endor, correct? Or am I missing something? Uh, no, Wayland. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. the Spartan cylinders were and the the mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because okay, so I must have been reading too fast or something like that. Because it looks like the Death Star throne room in the comic. Yeah. Well, in the books, you you read about it. This this was kind of the mountain on Wayland. That it was a fortress set up by the Empire, and this was where Palpatine was going to, you know, set up his cloning facilities and a lot of trinkets, things that he collected, you know, throughout the galaxy. He it, it was a storehouse, basically, is what it was. Okay. Just in case, you know, he was ever kicked off of Coruscant or something like that. This was a place where he could go to. And he could maintain his level of luxury and, you know, still run the Empire. Yeah, that makes sense. So was that the original planet that we saw Sabathon to begin with? Is that where he was? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, it was. So there, okay. So Sabath basically went to the place, because we, like, in the comic, you just find Sabath, like, in some random cave with, like, a thousand, yeah. with, like, a thousand uh, candles lit. Yeah, I think for your listeners that are not familiar with the book, you need to explain who's the author. Okay, yeah. That's a good thank you. So Sabath is a force user, but okay, I'm I'm honestly it never explains where he came from. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Okay. So I you might need to actually explain who Sabath is. He's just cuz in the comic he's just like this force user that was acquainted with the the emperor basically. Um, basically, the way Heir to the Empire explains it, uh, very briefly, um, about five pages. <laughs> I'm going to call that brief. But uh, Joris uh, Siboth was a Jedi Master in the time of the Republic. And he disappeared about the time the Clone Wars uh, broke out. And later stories in the expanded universe tell exactly what happened to him. But here... It's explained that Palpatine was experimenting with cloning process, and so he had some genetic material from Joris Sabah and created this clone. And this clone he put in charge of protecting the mountain, this fortress uh, on Wayland. And so that's what he did. He uh, he controlled the people, the the tribes people that lived around uh, the territory there of the mountain. Uh, he was his own little dictator, and uh, 
you know, kept order there and kept things protected. So he was a clone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a cloned Jedi Master. So basically, this is this is where Snoke comes from then, basically, the idea of Snoke. Well, kind of. I haven't kept up with the material written about Snoke. The movies don't really tell us any of that. Yeah. Well, like, basically what you're saying, like, you know, Palpatine says he created Snoke, so it's kind of like the same idea, like, Sabath. Yeah, so... Snoke may be a clone of some Jedi master from the past. That's yeah, true. yeah. That, that, I mean, we don't know for sure. I'm just speculating. But, I mean, I think that's... Okay, wow. Yeah, that... See, another advantage of reading a book versus taking the easy way out and being visual. But he was a letdown for me, honestly. I was never intimidated by him one time. Um, well, he was he was intended to be just kind of unstable and crazy. And I think he played it played that part well yeah and that's that's exactly what it was but i mean thrawn was more intimidating than sabath ever was and at times you know sabath had a leg up on or i'm sorry thrawn had a leg up on sabath multiple times and yeah you really don't feel like there's any point where thrawn didn't have him wrapped around his finger um the 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 intimidating part of sabath was the fact that he wanted to get his hands on luke and leia and the twins yeah when you start to go down that rabbit hole and the book does a really good job of kind of uh, teasing you with what could happen if a crazy Jedi master gets a hold of young capable force users and bends them to do his will. Yeah. And that's where it's really kind of scary. Yeah. But book really the book or it sounds like the the graphic novel doesn't really go that far with that story. Yeah. I wish it would have, because you know, you think about star Wars and that that's kind of what I was talking about. Like with this, um, these names of these books. So the three names of the books are Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. Now, the 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 source like the the subject matter, um, Heir to the Empire and The Last Command, feel like the most true to the source material, like what it's even about. Because you know, you think about like, okay, we're coming off of Return of the Jedi, we're going to this new Star Wars um, story. You're thinking, oh yeah, lightsabers and like maybe more Jedi and stuff like that. And that's really not what this story is about at all. This story is about a fleet of starships um, and really kind of the, the, the who, who has the upper hand, whoever has these starships are going to have a huge advantage over the opposing forces between the New Republic and the Empire. So it's kind of like well, a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you're, you're. You're right on it, uh, particularly with Dark Force Rising. It is very much a race. Uh, both sides are beaten and bloody from years of civil war, fighting against each other, both the New Republic and the, the Empire. And this is a race. And whoever can find the Dark Force, the Katana fleet, uh, which was lost, you know, decades before, you know, uh, by the Old Republic, um, whoever finds this is going to have the distinct material advantage in the war and you know if thrawn gets a hold of it he's he's definitely going to stick a dagger through the republic yeah yeah and you know i I think that was one thing that kind of caught me off guard was i was expecting there to be a lot of jedi stuff and i've you know been doing reading online and stuff and it's like the, the jedi stuff comes later you know in the story it's more about you know the 
this story is more about just basically what we just said. It's more about the war. Exactly. And, well, and that, that was the brilliance of what Timothy Zahn did with this book or this book series, this trilogy. You got to think about it. When he wrote this in 1989, 1990, there wasn't a whole lot of Jedi stuff. You know, the history hadn't been written yet. Yeah. And so he basically having to come up with story that was completely devoid of anything that we learned in the prequels, you know, about the Jedi Order that came before. Yeah. So he does a really good job of balancing good Star Wars storytelling while giving you just enough that if you know what the prequels are about, then you can kind of make it fit and it doesn't sound like it's out of place. Yeah, totally. And I do think that it does go hand in hand. Um, like, you know, it, it, it fits very well into the Star Wars lore, you know, and, um, but yeah, that, that was, that was just one, one complaint or not complaint, but I think that could be somebody's complaint is like, oh, there's like barely any Jedi stuff in this, you know, and that's true. And that isn't true. I think one thing that was genius was the Salamari, um, you know, a, an alien force, that repels the force if, if you're a jedi and you go up against a salamari you're useless basically or or at least you can't use the force yeah you can't you can't use the force you know and i i really like that it adds it, it's a really good attention getter you know especially like our our hero gets captured in the first book and it's like well he's screwed you know like what what's going to happen and then of course we see the team come together and do their thing and i have to yeah. say the the flow between the flow between the first, second, and third book. The second book feels like there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more moving parts. I would say that's probably the most actiony part of the story, yeah. um, especially like with all the bounty hunters and things like that, like Card and uh, that guy who had the shadow at his beck and call. I mean, we're getting to a lot of stuff that we could kind of go down the rabbit hole on, but um, yeah, there was you know it very much. It, it felt fresh, you know, especially the second book felt very, you know, fresh with its action sequences and the way they portrayed characters and things like that. And just seeing kind of like that mystery unfold and seeing Mary Jade continuously be haunted by visions of Palpatine saying, like, you will kill Luke Skywalker, you know. Um, yeah. So how, how how in depth does it go in that in the books? Um, on the the visions that she receives from Palpatine. Uh, yeah, it, it goes pretty in depth. I mean, there's the whole sequence where uh, Luke basically has a vision, recreating or he's reliving his experience on Jabba's uh, barge before he gets, you know, the split second before he's shoved into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, and in vision. Mara Jade's there and she takes his lightsaber instead of it coming to him when R2-D2 shoots it out the top of the dome. Yeah. You know, there's whole sequences like that and, you know, Mara Jade has a lot of flashbacks to her time in Palpatine's court. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you get you get a nice feel of what the past was like. For yeah, for her and, you know, we, always, we I keep going back to her because I'm in love with her, but um, <laughs> I, I feel like the flow of these stories is really good. I will say, there isn't really a moment in this story for me 
where I'm like, okay, this feels like a particular part of the story. It doesn't really have a, a comparable moment for me of like, oh, this feels like Empire Strikes Back or this feels like, aside from the end, like the last part of the story on the, the, the Last Command, that starts to kind of feel like Return of the Jedi, especially towards the back half of the story. But yeah. other than that, you know, I, I, I like, because that's kind of the thing with these new, and you know, we're it's kind of different now with these newer stories because they were obviously trying to mirror the older stories or, you know, they were attempting to. So that's kind of what I've set myself up for, but that's not really what this story does. And, um, I like that, but at the same time, I'd be lying if I said, I wish there wasn't some, you know, there wasn't some kind of tie even, you know, that, that probably sounds stupid to say. I don't know, but that just goes to show how conditioned you can become, just from watching the movies, you know what I mean? Well, but I think that's that's what you're identifying there is what Disney identified and why they said, well, these stories are going to be legend. Yeah. Because where they wanted to go with it, you know, it, it was kind of harder, going to be harder for them to take it there with all of the past history. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they'd rather take from the old than... They'd rather take from the old, uh, the from stuff we already know movie wise than pull from, you know, or than allow the old to dictate what yeah, they're going to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree Can with I that. Ask you a question. Yeah, go for um, it. In the graphic novel for Dark Force Rising, did you get anything substantial about how Leia puts the pieces together, about the the interaction of how the Empire? Um, subjugated the nogri yes that's like the main that's like the main story and that's that's what makes that novel so good to me yeah is like putting all those pieces together and you getting the exposition on the early empire and darth vader's involvement yeah in on honor or the the nogri homeworld and i i i really that really kind of tugged at my heart honestly because the Nogri, even even though like the um, um, the Empire was manipulating them, like they still the Nogri knew that there was good inside of Darth Vader because they even say like he treated us well, you know, like he he never was like mean to us, and that's why of course they they call uh, Leia Lady Vader, you know, in the story, and I, I love that. And the How whole go ahead. Well, I was gonna say that the the Nogri term for Leia was the Malariush or something something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of get I have a hard time like kind of getting up caught up with terms like that because you know I I just won't remember it. You know I, I had a hard time even pronouncing the Salamari just because of the way it's spelled and I don't even really know. I had to ask you how the Nogri was even pronounced, but um, I loved that culture because it was believable and honestly, like it really that second book really made me want to, I was, I was, I was curious as to what was going to happen with the Nogri, you know, going, going forward. And it was kind of cool. It's it just, it's a really cool part of the universe that I wish I would have known about a long time ago, you know? Um, exactly. That's, that's a thing with me is if you look at the progression in heir to the empire, they're definitely the enemy to be feared. Yes. Dark force rising, you begin to understand them. And then in last command, you know, they're the to me besides Thrawn, they're the best thing that comes out of this trilogy. Yeah, is you really want them on your side. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Espe- they're they're forced. Haven't gotten more of them in 
you know, some of the on-screen stuff. I know we get a, a little bit in Rebels, but it's not the same, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'd like more of the Nogri in Star Wars. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, they're just the fact that, you know, that, like, Rook was the, you know, Thrawn's right-hand man, his bodyguard, um, and how Rook... And this is another thing you were talking to me, I think it was off mic, or maybe, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. This has been a, a long conversation so far, but... Um, so Rook ends up being the one that kills Thrawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of crazy to me because, you know, the, the Nogari seem like a loyal bunch of, you know, it seemed like a loyal culture of, of things, you know, just the way that, just the way the story sets up, like the, their loyalty to Leia, even though they've never even met her. But Rook's loyalty to Thrawn, the way those two things kind of go hand in hand. But like Rook apparently was conflicted to begin with. You know, it's like he was just basically following orders. I mean, is that what you got out of it too? Oh yeah, I, I mean, this the Nogri people are the epitome of honor and duty and sacrifice and all of these things. And you don't earn their trust easily. Yeah. But once you have it, you have it. Yeah. And that. That's the beautiful progression you see the Nogri people go through uh, so that by the time you get to last command and they've made their turn um, and you see even Rook, who you thought was just, you know, as deep a Imperial fanboy as you could get. Yeah. He understands we've been betrayed. Yeah. Once he once he comes to the like, you're not going to treat my people that way type of thing, you know, and. It's almost like kind of samurai-ish, like they're the way that they they think and like the way that they you know that they handle themselves. And I I would have to agree with you. I think aside from Thrawn, the Nogri is the best thing that comes out of the the this story. Um. So I want to do this. I want to take a quick break, really fast. Okay. And then uh, whenever we come back, we can kind of talk about the ending of this story and anything else that we want to kind of bring to the fold and uh, wrap this bad boy up. What do you say? All right, let's do it. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Man, my freaking voice. Am I forever 19? What is going on? My, my my crack in my voice, dude. Like I just don't understand. Like it does it all. It it does it at the most random times. It's really starting to irritate me, dude. God. Take a deep breath, relax your vocal cords, and proceed. That's oh. that's your podcaster tip. Okay, okay, thank you. I'm relaxed. I'm calm. I'm calm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back to wrap this podcast up. Um, now I, I kind of like to. I don't want to apologize because that's weird. But there are obviously a million things we could talk about in this episode. Well, and, we're talking about three books uh, each at or over 400 pages. So. Yeah, I mean, and there's details all over the place. I mean, like we could, you know, we could talk. We, we could have an entire podcast just about Card, who's a, a character in the book and has his own nice little subplot, um, you know, and character progression. I thought for sure he was going to be a bad guy. Um, yeah, did you the smuggler aspect of it? That part of the the storytelling. Did I did I did I get to view it? Did you like it? Yes, I loved it. It was awesome. Oh, it was yeah. it was, it was like it was like the the yin to Han Solo's yang a little bit. Like it kind of gave me a little bit of that. You know what I mean? The car I loved Card because he is so he's like a sophisticated Han Solo. And yes. I just 
yeah, I just love that character. He, he, uh, he's he's suave. You know, he has like a suave, um, yeah. kind of persona to him. Whereas, you know, Han Solo is kind of rough around to the edges, and this guy is like, um, I don't know. It it, it very much they're they're they do the same thing, but there's there's few different ways to get something done correctly and and card is definitely a really cool character especially his band of misfits that he has around with him um i will, I will put this i will inject this uh i read him differently than the audiobook presented him the audiobook reads him as a very and suave was the perfect term a very suave antonio banderas type voice you know almost with that uh that spanish flair yeah which you know, it was it was great. It fit. Yeah, it kind of like it reminds me of Craven a little bit from Spider Man. Um, yeah, like he he kind of has that you know like like a very a very gentlemanly um, way of of going about things, and that's very much how he's presented in the in the comic as well. Um, but still, you know, he you can tell by his his character. Um, portrayal that he always kind of has a, a backup plan. Like he always, he's always the wheels are always turning. You know, with that character, and you know he's he's an awesome character. I wish, I wish, I again another one of those things. I wish I would have known about this a, a long time ago. Um, but yeah, just wanted to say that you know there's a million things we could have talked about. We're just trying to kind of hit the main points. We're kind of jumping all over the place, but you know if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that's usually how it goes on the wannabe critic. Um. So I would like to kind of talk about something that that's at the very end of the story. Um, so Mara Jade at this point has decided that she's going to, you know, she's going to help Luke. She, they're going to confront Sabath. And um, this just kind of seems like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> Sabath presents a Luke Skywalker clone from the hand that was lost at Bespin and the lightsaber. Now, I don't know how you feel about this or how much it explains it for you, but the way it was presented in the comic, the, the, the last 10 pages of this comic are very jarring because it seems like they fit. And that, that's kind of my biggest complaint with the comic is there's times where it feels like they put, they tried to cram like 20 to 30 pages of content into like a 10 page span and just really glossed over a couple of things. So they, does it explain how they recovered the hand from Bespin? I, I'm going to do something very rare here and state for the record that I kind of take back a little bit of my angst of, uh, force awakens and how they don't explain how Luke's like, Luke's lightsaber is in uh, what's her name's the the chest in her yeah, basement. Yeah, Maz. Maz, yeah. Um, because they don't explain it here either. Yeah, I'm just kind of Bas- like. Basically, what you have to understand is Palpatine has all his fingers in the pie, and so he has somehow saved Luke's hand and his lightsaber. Uh, you know, somebody, one of the stormtroopers went down into the basement and pulled it out and he's had it on ice. I that's all basically all you're left to infer infer. They don't tell you that in the book. It just shows up there at the end. So yeah, I, I understand. Um it's a little weak. Yeah. 
it it's just they, it's weird. Yeah. Um and honestly like this is I don't want to say it soured my view of the story but it just felt very inconsistent towards the end whereas you know every ending of pretty much every Star Wars movie is pretty definite. And I, you know towards the end of the story like the way it ends for me the last frame I see is Luke is like hey I'm going to I'll wait for you inside um you know whenever and Mara Jade is like you know uh Luke gives Mara Jade the lightsaber the 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 blue lightsaber that was his father's he gives it to Mara Jade cuz she's obviously force sensitive he's like I'll wait for you you know Mon Mothma and the people in here they're we're going to be talking about what what's next and Mar- Mara Jade's like okay I'm just I'll come with you you know um and that's how the story ends I don't know how jarring it is for you but it just was very for me it was very much like okay we're at Sabath's lair um he's not intimidating at all to me the Luke thing felt very out of place um especially since you know usually especially with Star Wars they have a pretty good uh, way of easing you into things thematically and then lo and behold it's like the things that you might be thinking about or things you might be wondering they drop it on you okay like with the Sith the you know, uh, bringing Ian McDermott in to which, you know, we're comparing movies and movies to books now. But would you say that thematically they usually ease you into things before they drop a bomb on you? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. I feel like they do a pretty good job of that. This just came way out of left field. And I think this is probably, probably my least favorite, my, my least favorite part of this story and really kind of summed up. And, you know, it was kind of consistent how meaningless Luke was throughout this entire story and how he just didn't really seem important, you know, like, cause he's really not, you know, at this point, but that, you know, that whole storyline with the Jedi, I feel like it would have been better off. I, I don't know. It just feels like they, they used a really weird subplot almost to bring Mara Jade, Mara Jade, however you pronounce it, into the story that particular way. Can you shed some light on this for me? I mean, do you kind of pick up what I'm laying down? Yeah, a little bit. I, I, it, I, it speaks to what I said earlier. This is a story about Luke Skywalker. This is a story of a universe and a lot of things taking place in which Luke Skywalker is one of many people. And the, I think the journey that you're actually the person that you're actually spending the most time with in all three books is actually Mara. Mara Jade is kind of the key figure. So when she stands up there at the end and defeats Joris Seboth, um, that really just kind of goes hand in hand with what these the previous three novels have uh, the story that these three novels have been telling. And so to me, it kind of made sense that Luke was not the main character and not the fulcrum, you know, that moved all of this. But he's there standing beside her as a new Jedi is kind of emerging and and learning about the universe around her. And so I, I always felt like it was it was great to see Luke not as the action star hero. Yeah. But mentor. Yeah, I, I, I like I like what you're picking down. You know, I've said before on the show, I like what you're saying, what you're laying down. I've said before on the show, you know, Luke Skywalker is a huge, um, you know, a, a huge part of my interest in the story. But, you know, th- this is this, the story does a good job of making it seem 
and you know what I said before was purely out of a perspective as I know that there's people out there that feel the same way that I do about Luke Skywalker but it does do a really good job of setting up Mara and I I do agree with you that Mara is a pretty it, it, she is she's the fulcrum of this story. I feel like Mara and the Noguri are like the two biggest parts of this story. Like the Katana fleet just yeah. kind of seems the Katana fleet which should be a big deal but it really isn't. Um the Katana fleet Siboth and Luke Skywalker they're all just kind of in the background around the 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 story of the Noguri like what what they went through and what Mara Jade went through and would you say that's a pretty fair um would you say that's a pretty fair uh, uh not assumption but uh, uh what's the word I'm yeah what, they're the through lines yeah through exactly through that's the main story I would say yeah that's the things that you are spending the most time learning about yeah you know our main characters Han Han, Leia, Luke, they're going to do what they're going to do. And we already know what they're going to do. And so we don't have to really spend as much time with them. Yeah. And I I feel like we get a lot of background. Like there's that whole, there's a whole sequence in Heir to the Empire in which Luke sees uh, Kenobi in a vision. And Kenobi basically says bye to him. And then you spend a little bit of time with him as he's kind of reflecting on the influence that Kenobi's had in his life while he enjoys a cup of hot chocolate, come to find out, you know? And you do get those moments with the characters. Yeah. But, like, they're not the focus of all three of these books. The right. The focus is our ancillary characters that, you know, and, and great, bring them on, bring on more characters for us to learn about. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I... I so that's frustrating because I... There's a, a that sequence you're talking about with Kenobi. Um... Luke isn't having a conversation in the comic with him. He just sees like in the sky that there's Obi-Wan Kenobi out there. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, but it doesn't give any, like it doesn't shed any light on what's going on in Luke's head. And they, they have a quick, they have a little back and forth and, and Kenobi tells him bye. Yeah. That's crazy. Like I wish, I wish I would have had that. I, there, I, that makes me wonder how much, how much is missing, you know, and you can only do so much in a comic book. And these, I mean, this comic is very, very detailed. I mean, most of the page is encompassed by dialogue. Um, yeah. And the dialogue, I mean, that's what I meant, what I said before, you know, that this, these stories are mostly dialogue um, because they're, they should be, they're books, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I like, I like this story a lot. Um, I wish, I don't wish that, I'm conflicted because, you know, as somebody who loves the lasers and the space wizards, we don't get a lot of that in this story, but it does make me appreciate kind of a newer side of, of the story. And I, I think what this conversation is kind of bringing to the fore is the difference between the novel and the graphic novel. Uh, you're, you're getting a very distilled, a very boiled down version of almost you know 1200 pages of novel in the in the total trilogy yeah and it just cannot carry all of the information and so what i think you're seeing that you're missing the time with luke the time with han uh learning about you know they're coming to grips with their place in the universe i think has probably kind of been boiled out just a little bit yeah in order carry the the main theme 
of the Nogri and Mara Jade. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that because, I mean, the, the comic altogether is 485 pages, um, which is a Not, lot, yeah, you know. A third of, of the actual novel. Yeah, page. exactly, which, you know, there's there's going to be details that are explained in, in the book that can be visualized, you know, or, or put, to, put to a picture. But, yeah, there's definitely – it's lost in translation a little bit for sure. And so, yeah. um, I do like the story. I I wish – I wish I had the patience for reading and maybe I will go through it again, you know, um, audiobook style, but the things that, the things that are, you know, it's kind of a similar situation in a way to kind of how I feel about the prequels. Cause I don't think I like this story as much as I like the new movies even. Um, but at the same time, I'm a, I, I like the flash, you know what I mean? I like the flashy side of things and this comic, you know, it, it was nice to have more star Wars, but I would say if I had to rank, like put this in place, I think it would probably go original trilogy, new movies, this trilogy, and I'd probably put the prequels at the bottom, but it is kind of the same deal where the cool stuff in the prequels is really, really cool. And it lands, but this story does it a little bit better because the stuff that is really, really cool in this new, in this, you know, the story that we went through, it's interesting the entire time. And there's only a handful of things that I don't really like, you know, or that, that don't really speak to me, but they just happen, they just happen to be bigger things, you know, that I wish I had more of like, you know, but you know, again, I didn't read the books. But do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like, I, I the things that are cool about this new story are cool in a really big way, but the things that are missing or that don't really add up can kind of uh, leave you with with a, a sense of wanting more, even though you've had a lot. You know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I definitely get what you're saying. And what I'm hearing is uh, because I, I've got a different perspective because. I read these books when we didn't have prequels. I did. I read these books when we didn't have the Disney trilogy. Yeah. It was a blank slate. And all we had was the last thing we saw Luke Skywalker doing. Right. In Return of the Jedi, which was, you know, waving bye to his, his dad, Yoda, and Obi-Wan's Force Ghosts, right? Yep. And these books did an absolutely, in my opinion, a spot-on job of just slipping you right back in, into that universe five years later. Yeah. And there was nothing else to really have to think about. Yeah. It was just, this was how the story progressed. Yeah. And, I, and, and it's unfortunately, I, I feel like you kind of suffer a little bit because you have something else to frame uh, where this story is taking you. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's the product of its time. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was about to say is, you know, it's, if I was a prolific reader, an avid reader, I think I would have I would have taken the time to read the books. But we're talking about two different mediums. You know what I mean? Like, I can watch the movies all day long, but I, I have a hard time watching something like The Clone Wars, um, the TV show, for whatever reason. I've started it a million times. It's hard for me to get through. Don't know why. But I can watch The Mandalorian. I love it. You know? Um whenever you're trying to get like the base story of something and get like the sense of it, the sense of whatever the story is trying to say or do, 
I feel like the core ideas from Zahn's stories, you know, because it's the same core ideas that are executed in the novels and the graphic novels. I feel like those core ideas, sans a few, like Sabath, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear if you have any critiques about this story. You know, I want to hear it after I'm done, but I really don't have any negative things to say about these stories other than I wanted more Luke, but I understand why he's not in it. And I wanted the, I wanted the bad, the main bad guy to be a Jedi, but he really didn't really, he, he, he didn't live up to what I was really expecting there to be. And it just it seemed like kind of it seemed like nonsensical at times for me. I'm like, what is this guy's motive? You know what I mean? We talk about the, him taking like the kids potentially and things like that. You could talk about what what possibilities are there, but I just feel like and the, I don't want this to seem like a major nitpick because that's all it is is a nitpick. It's like these stories are excellent and good, and I wish more people would take the time to kind of familiarize themselves with it because it could it it really opens up a lot of conversations regarding th- this this trilogy of stories could easily be a story we talk about detail wise with any of the other movies you know and and I I wish we had I wish we had movies of these books you know what I mean yeah I agree with that um because they would be they they would be perfect as movies, but we're pro- that's probably never ever going to happen. No, not likely. Um, but I'd like to hear what you're like, because you haven't really said anything negative about this story. I really feel like this has been a pretty positive discussion regarding these three stories, because you know, usually whenever you and I get together to talk about Star Wars, one of us ends up tearing something to shreds, and that hasn't happened one time in this. I feel no, like I think this is the most positive Star Wars conversation I think I've ever had with you. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and it's because I think we're both coming at it from you have a nostalgia for it, whereas I'm coming into it for the first time. And there is, I don't know, it's just like a, it's a different way of kind of seeing the same thing. I don't know. This is going to be like our thing that would like, we don't agree on the movies, but we like particular part, you know, we like certain parts of the EU. You know what I mean? But I want to hear what your, what your nitpicks are, because there has to be some, it's not a perfect story. I mean, come on, but I'd like to hear what your nitpicks are regarding this story. No, if anything, I mean, I think, you know, you've identified Saboth as kind of the weak link in the storytelling and i would hardly agree with it ultimately he's a throwaway character yeah he is he's throwaway he's just not he's nonsense but if you if you read him in the context of the the novels themselves he does he is more than just a a mustache twirling foil i mean he's he's genuinely unhinged and that's the thing that makes him scary in the end, he ultimately isn't capable of doing anything because he's a clone and he's limited by that. The real danger comes from Thrawn and how he is using Saboth as a tool. And, and, and when you see that unfold in the pages of the novel, that's where Saboth has teeth, is it's only because Thrawn is allowing him and he's being used and manipulated by Thrawn. And that's where the real strength of Sabal's story lies. Yeah, like the so, the only strength. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I don't know how well that comes through in the graphic novel or not. But of all the characters on the the bad guy side, quote unquote, um, 
yeah, it, it's it's ultimately he is a throwaway. So I mean, you could cr- critique that. I think the other thing that I might say gets a little long in the tooth is yeah, the katana fleet and the importance of it, and then how ultimately when you get to the end of that story arc, it just kind of evaporates. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not even there really. Um, I, I would agree, but that's you know ultimately when I'm looking at it, that's about the only two things that really. If I'm going to say something that I got bored with, uh, yeah, that's probably going to be it. The politics that are played between, uh, uh, what was the, Borsk Feya? Yeah, the the bad guy, the mole in the Republic, yeah, basically. And, and Admiral Akbar, all of that to me is just fascinating. Yeah, it's solid. I, I love it. Yeah, the infighting that's already taking place in the early days of the New Republic. Yeah, and how and the, real, like, it, it feels real. Like, the, yeah. that's one thing that I was thinking, like, man, this, okay, this is where the war happens, is... Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I loved that. That's that a great observation. Yeah, I, that is absolutely correct. The other thing that I noticed about it is the way the Empire is portrayed in this book, or in this series of books... Um, when I'm watching the Mandalorian, I'm looking at, because that's supposed to be five years after return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. Something like that. Five to seven years, I think. Yeah. So when I'm looking at that, I'm seeing the empire that Timothy Zahn wrote about. Yeah. Cause they're very much still, they're still there. They're still there. They're, they're a little, they're, they're licking their wounds, but they're still a force to be reckoned with. And there are different. There are different warlords in power in different places, and you know Thrawn is one of them, and we get to see his segment of influence in this book series, and in Mandalorian we're seeing another warlord, and and his you know his area of influence in a different part of the galaxy, and I think I think this book really goes well goes hand in hand with what we saw portrayed in Mandalorian. And so to me, that kind of keeps this book series alive and uh, makes it still special. To me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would say that honestly, you know, whenever Battlefront 2 came out, we said in our review, if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't played this game, you're missing out. Um, I, I stand by that exact same statement with this story series. Like to me... This is in the conversation of this should be talked about whenever we talk about the stories that the movies have to give us. This should be right up with there. There should be with with those. There should be four trilogies that we talk about. Yeah. Um, because it's good. It's solid. It's 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 not perfect. Just like the rest of the trilogies are not perfect. But yeah, it agreed. It is it is a amazing story, and I I don't think that post Return of the Jedi the Empire looks stronger than in these books. I think this is the strongest we see them, um, yeah. you know, because they don't have a tight, they don't necessarily have a tight grip on the galaxy, but I wouldn't want to pick a fight with them. I don't think anyone would want to pick, pick a fight with them. And even though the Emperor's gone, there's still, I mean, there's still many, many, many resources at their disposal and people at their disposal. And, you know, you can... Even though the emperor is gone, his influence is still there, you know. Um, so yeah, I I I can't really say too many bad things. I mean, you know, there's there's a, there's a couple, there's a couple, and that's that's 
big, and I would say even this is a more mature take on Star Wars. Um, and whenever I say mature, I'm not talking about like bloody and violent. I'm talking about real life things like that are mirrored in this story. Well, it does feel like it's the characters that you're reading about. They are people that are just living their life. You know? Yeah. You know, they're just make decisions just to make, make, you know, just to get by. Yeah. They're, it's not for the sake of telling a story. It's like, we're that their life just happens to be pretty interesting. What is happening? It's like, I don't know. It's just, there's something really surreal about this story and you forget that you're reading star Wars at times, you know, it just, it feels, it feels different. And I, I, I love, I love this story, but is there anything, the great, go, go ahead. The great thing about this is this was just, uh, in the early nineties, this was just the jumping off point. So if you liked this story, then, you know, it, it, Zahn wrote other books that kind of dealt with a lot of the, the same characters, some of the same story threads, uh, Spectre of the Past, Vision of the Future. Uh, those came later in the 90s and kind of continued a little bit of this, of what was started here in Heir to the Empire. And then, you know, about the time Last Command came out, they were really kind of getting things going with the EU. So there's some really good reading that takes place around the same time. Truce at Bakura is a great book. Uh, the Courtship of Princess Leia. Uh, those were really kind of taking the things that uh, Zon started here and just continuing it on and building that universe. You know, some really good, really good literature came uh, out of this trilogy. That Yeah, I mean, there was events that... There was events that take place post Thrawn trilogy, um, which spoiler alert: Thrawn gets killed. That's why we never see him in any of the other stories. Is he's dead <laughs> by yeah. the end of this story? He's dead, and it's like, wow! I I loved that. Like it made me it made me sad because he's a huge part of this of these stories as well. I mean, he's very I mean, he's very visible. He's another kind of and can, we barely talked about him. Yeah, we that's that's the funny part is we barely talked about Thrawn. We're talking about all this other crap, but. Thrawn was a good bad guy. I mean, oh, he was an excellent. awesome bad guy. Every bit is. I mean, <laughs> I, I would I would put him under Darth Vader, uh, but before Kylo Ren. Yeah, yeah. I I would say that's that's about right. I mean, he is he's iconic. I would put him. I I'm sorry, but I put him up there with Vader, me personally, because Vader has never been intimidating to me. And I see why you would do that, but I, I, I have to put him under Vader after seeing Rogue One. So there. Okay. All right. Well, fair, fair, fair play, fair play. Um, he's an awesome bad guy. He, he, the, the, and see, I love Kylo Ren too. Um, yeah. Kylo Ren dying. I felt the exact same thing whenever Thrawn died. Like that exact same feeling of wow, like this guy's yeah. gone. You hate to see him go. You do, you do, and yeah. that just kind of another little tidbit, you know, a little a little tip of the hat to Timothy's on because whenever a, a bad guy can make you feel that way, you know, it's like he's affecting you just as much as the heavy hitters we've seen in the movies. Whenever they go, yeah. it's like it's the same type of thing, and and that's just another reason why this should be talked about you know more 
with with even you know the the millennials and the Gen Zs like they need to be they need to hear these stories and and read these stories or you know and see the story or you just just familiarize themselves with it and because yeah. if you're going just off of the the Thrawn that you see in the Rebels uh, cartoon series you're not getting the whole picture um, Thrawn is so much more than what you see just in that although he's good in that in in Rebels I think I can't wait but, to see him in Rebels. Yeah. No, he's definitely a character worth having on screen. Yeah. Well, we come to that part of the show, Ethan, where we're going to give a score for our experience. Um, How do you want to do this? Do you want to do one overall score, or do we want to score each individual story? Well, I, I, I don't think anyone should read just one of the stories that. I think you, you have to score it as a trilogy. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so in the end, the Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, The Last Command, a super solid entry into the Star Wars universe, a must-read slash experience that has its faults just like every other piece of the story, or, you know, that the Star Wars that we know and love. There's things about it, I, there's things about it that you can nitpick. But at the end of the day, I got to say, this is like a solid 8.5 for me out of 10. Um, I think that there's things that can hold it back from reaching modern audiences because of its political intrigue. And that's one thing that I think should be taken into consideration. I feel like there would be plenty of people that would start this story. I mean, take me, for instance, three or four years ago. I I have had this comic saved digitally for like f- four years and I've never been able to finish it because of all of the dialogue you know I was like I'm ready for lightsabers and I'm ready for crap to happen I could see where it might not appeal to a younger generation but that doesn't mean that it's not an amazing story that should be experienced by anyone who calls themselves a Star Wars fan I think it's really special 8.5 for me no that's that's excellent uh is it my turn it's your turn Okay, uh, I'm gonna let a little bit of my uh, nostalgia show, my a little bit of my fanboy. That's fine. Uh, I'm gonna go nine out of ten, and the only reason I don't give it ten is I reserve my tens for the original trilogy, for the movie. Uh, I I think that's, you know, that's that's just where I stand on that. And then there are only a handful of expanded universe stories that are out there that come later that approach or maybe even surpass a little bit of what Timothy's on wrote here in the, uh, in this trilogy. Uh, so I'm, I'm going with a nine out of 10. It's about as close to perfect as you're going to get out of the literature that came out of the nineties and the early two thousand. Um, there's a few other better examples I think out there, but you know, if we want to talk about those later, we can, uh, but this is, you're not going to find a, a more solid start than Heir to the Empire and, and the other two. Nine out of ten. Okay. I, I love it. I think those scores are really close, you know, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to go nine out of ten, but there's just, some, you know, the reasons that I had, I was like, it's not like it was like a, this definite thing, like, well, I'm going to give it an 8.5. It's, I didn't feel right saying nine out of ten, so it's like, okay, yeah, I, 8.5 I feels right. I would be curious to maybe talk to you after you've gone through, say, the audiobook. Yeah. And what 
see what that does for your experience. Okay. Yeah. I, we might make that a long-term project, you know, for me because dude, I, yeah. And it's like, it's hard for me. It's hard for me. You know, I, I don't even listen to podcasts hardly anymore. You know, like I've been getting more back into it recently, but it's just like, it's, it's so hard to compartmentalize hobbies and pursuits Oh, I get it. You know what I mean? But I definitely, it's not, it's not a lack of want. I definitely want to. And I, I know, I know, I, I consciously knew reading through this story. I was like, this is not the best way to experience the story. I know it's not, but for the sake of the conversation, it might be kind of cool to have two different perspectives of somebody who did read the novels versus someone who tried to go through an ad- an adaptation of no, the novels. And I'm, I'm glad we did it with this format because. I think this allows the listener to listen to our two perspectives and then make a determination. Well, do I want the cliff notes on it or do I want to do the deep dive? Totally. So either way, it sounds like it can be a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not trying to take away from the art with it. There's, there's a couple of different artists and that was one thing that was kind of irritating is one artist did air the empire. And then the second book was in a completely different art style. And then they went back to the original from the air to the empire in the third story. Um, So that was kind of, irritating a little bit but because i really liked the art style from the first and the third um yeah but yeah i this is a story that if you're a star wars fan you got to experience it somehow so yeah i would definitely say that now now ethan i I, we've talked about making this kind of like a reoccurring segment on my show and i haven't spoke to ethan about this yet so we're gonna do it right now this is the first time ethan's hearing about this so for our next project that we do together, Ethan, Star Wars-wise, because the EU is apparently the middle ground for you and I, what would you think, because you've read the Dark Empire um, novels, correct? No, I have not. You've ne- Okay, so you've never read... Ex- that, was just, that was just a graphic novel series, right? Really? Yeah. I and I never I never actually went through the graphic novels of that. Okay. Of that well, perfect. That's what we're doing next. Okay. So, Dark Empire, if you're down for it, Dark Empire takes place in between um I believe it takes place in between uh Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, correct? Oh wait a second! Are you talking about Shadows of the Empire? Shadows of the Empire? Yes, yeah. but I- okay, yeah, I'm I'm with you now. Okay. okay, so those were novels, correct? That it was just one novel. Yeah, one novel. Okay, so I'm gonna Google this right now. Okay, just got done googling it. I had to stop the recording, but um, because I knew that there was a novel that Ethan had had read at one point or another that there was a graphic novel adaptation of so here's what i would like to do ethan you have read shadows of the empire correct yeah, it okay. is a favorite okay so you've never read the graphic novel version correct no not. okay i think it would be kind of cool for us both to read the graphic novel since you have insight and then because if you had read the graphic novel of the thrawn trilogy you would have had insight you know and said okay yeah in the graphic novel this happens or this, this is lacking. You know, I think it would be kind of cool to do the same type of thing with that particular comic. 
a little more perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I that'd be awesome. Okay. Well, do we want to make that our next project? Let's do it. All right. Awesome. And then maybe what we could do is we could read the Dark Empire after that. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, that's that's one I had never I I've heard of it. I've I read little tidbits here and there, but I've never actually gone through that. Yeah, and I want to see, you know, what exactly they took from the Dark Empire, um, you know, and and kind of shoehorned into the new uh, the new trilogy. And I'm just I'm just curious. I, I just want to, you know, that's the whole point is I'm I'm wanting more Star Wars, and it's trickling in, you know, um, you know, over the the past few months, it's been trickling in and out, and and I like I I like what I'm what I'm seeing so far. Um, is there any current Star Wars pursuits outside of what we're going to be doing? that you're going to be trying to take on because we all have busy lives, but we're always, you know, there's always, there's always time for star Wars. Is there anything you're going to be going through or working on right now? Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I'm still trying, I've stalled and I'm still trying to get through the, uh, what was the last uh, game that came out from EA? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've already forgotten. Fallen, fallen Jedi or something. Fallen order or something. Yeah. I, I, I've got to get through that yeah. and I have slacked off on it, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my goal to get through that one. Um, I'm actually revisiting the Yuuzhan Vong, uh, the invasion series. I actually got that graphic novel the other day and have started through it. I bought the and, same one. The first one. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I kind of got partway through that one. So that's kind of a long-term project I'm doing as well. Yeah, same here. That's that's definitely long-term for me as well. I I am I'm surprised at how intense that story is so far. I mean, the Yuuzhan and Vong, they are ruthless. They are straight up savage. Um yeah, and, and because you know, I went through that novel series as it was coming out and that was a roller coaster going through that uh month to month. Yeah, I can only imagine. It's been fun just kind of revisiting because the Invasion graphic novel isn't a direct telling of the novel series. Correct. It's stories that are taking place alongside yeah. the novel. It's like a supplement, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's been kind of interesting because it's kind of helped me to see maybe I need to go back and revisit that novel series at some point, too, because yeah. there's some details that I'd forgotten. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm very interested, you know, and I think that's kind of what the High Republic is going to be going for is like releasing a main a main novel series and then everything else is going to be accompanying, you know, accompanying that and, and supplementing that 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 uh, that main series is kind of what the article I read made it seem like. But um, yeah, I I have a hard time with that style of game that Fallen Order is, you know, they call it a Souls like um, cause it, uh, I, I apparently have a hard time with it as well. <laughs> it can be frustrating because, you know, people don't realize the biggest part of the game is watching how your enemy telegraphs their moves because the developers of, you know, that, that particular style of game, they're called dark souls. The developers used to say like, our games aren't hard. Like if you just pay attention, um, you'll get it. Because people just want to like rush in and like start just slashing at crap, and that's how you get killed, like being reckless. But you, you know, a, a big part of that game is watching what your opponent is doing, and it's like, oh, when he does this, that's when I need to move, or that's when I need to dodge, you know, and watching how your opponents, because they really only have like five or six sets of moves that you can, you know, watch for. <laughs> 
And yeah. it's like whenever you go up against a boss, they'll do something. And then once their life gets to a certain point, then they add a new mechanic in that you have to like watch for. And, yeah. you know, it, it can be frustrating at times. So I'm I'm reserving um, a little I'm, I'm kind of reserved right now about starting it because I know once I start, that'll have to be the game, the main game I'm playing. And I just have too many other projects that I'm working on right now to do it. And, you know, I think if you give it enough time, there's probably going to be a comic series of that or a novelization of it eventually. Um, but I mean, I take it as a personal challenge, so I'm going to get through it at some point. Yeah. Well, and we need to have a conversation. I think me and Caleb were talking about having a conversation about that. So you might have to get in on that one as well. Um, I'm working on, uh, my story time series with the alien archive star Wars book that, uh, you and I have are kind of, uh, partnering up with, um, collaboration on that yeah we're so we're gonna be you know i'm gonna be working on that i've been haven't had as much time to work on it as i've wanted but you know it it will get done eventually and it'll be a a a monthly series you know that you'll be able to to enjoy but there's not a lot of star wars on my end um right now you know not as much as i would like i've been doing other things so but i i do look forward to looking um, or, or reading the Shadows of the Empire comic and reviewing that whenever we get to it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to that too. Same. Well, Ethan, where can uh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you find us over on the Age of Geek. Uh, I'm you know on there on Twitter, Geek underscore Age on Twitter. Um, you know we we putting out the, we just put out the issue 100 uh, a week or two ago. And that was a little bit of a milestone for me. Happy to have gotten there. So, yeah, we're still active over there. And Ryan and I are doing Drive Back the Night and Andromeda Series podcast. You can uh, you can find us on at uh, Andromeda Pod over on Twitter there. So if you if you like what you hear, send us a message. If you want to ask me about uh, Star Wars or the Thrawn trilogy in particular, you can get a hold of me through uh, one of those two handles on Twitter. I'm usually pretty active on that. Very nice. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that episode 100. That was a that was a, a very uh, that that was a good episode, especially the Bambino and and Tony. Um, I actually I got to be a part of that 100th episode, and that was kind of fun. Um, I was laughing in my car because whenever they introduced me, um, what what was it? A uh, Bambino that, that that is the character, right? The Bambino and Tony, right? Yeah, um, they were they were regulars uh, many years ago on the podcast and. Uh, they disappeared. They did a dime up in uh, San Quentin or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Bambino, he he was saying, uh, you know, this guy's a wannabe. He, he has all this stuff. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, he's pretty good at it. He's like, yeah, he's pretty good at running his mouth. <laughs> and that, uh, that, that cracked me up. I, I loved that. So I appreciate you letting me be a part of that. That was good. But um, I look forward to our future endeavors. Uh I appreciate you guys' show. I listen to every episode. Um, my preferred way of listening to your guys' show is actually, like, once you have, like, three episodes out, I like to binge them because you and Ryan have uh, something that's pretty unique um, that even a lot of the podcasts I listen to nowadays don't have, and it's it's a little thing called chemistry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there I, – I stay – you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and – um. Uh, I I don't think that there's there's a level of chemistry. There's only a handful I would say that probably has the level of chemistry that you guys have. So it's always an enjoyable show over there. If you guys are into 
um, this, you know, it's, it's a very similar discussion that we have on this show, you know, but for an older audience, more mature audience, I would say. So if you guys are into that, definitely check it out. Um, really quick. I just want to say again, you know, if we are talking over each other, things like that, or if, you know, there's a little bit of technical difficulty, we are 70 miles away. Keep that in mind. We are communicating via discord and, uh, you know, there's going to be hiccups every now and then, and there's going to be parts of it that might be kind of rough. So we, uh, we will try and get something figured out. You know, I, I might just have to start doing every single episode is like, okay, just record your own audio, send it to me. You know, it's a little extra work, but, um, you know, if, if you're going to put out a podcast, you need to try and, and do your best to, to make it right. And, uh, I will say there have been times more recently where you kind of get pressured because you're like, okay, I want to put out one episode a week and you just run out of time, you know? So details that shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be overlooked do get overlooked <laughs> and it, it happens, but there are things that are out of our control. So I just wanted to apologize for that no, again. For, you, you said it earlier. Uh, it, it's not like we're trying to save the world. Yeah, exactly. I, we're not doing this for a living yet. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's all in good fun. We appreciate, we appreciate all of our listeners. We appreciate the feedback we get. We appreciate, uh, we, we just, we do, we, we appreciate the, the fact that there's a handful of people out there that listen to every single episode, you know, and, and we love you for that. So you can find me at the wannabe critic on YouTube. You can find me at the game Brule on Instagram. I'm the wannabe critic on Twitter as well. I just can't bring myself to change my Instagram handle. I just, I love the game real too much, but I do have an account for just the content stuff at the wannabe critic on Instagram as well. Um, you can always email us at geeklybyweekly1 at gmail.com with any questions you might have. You can, you can contact us on, on any of those platforms, honestly, if you ever have a question or something you want to talk about. So as always, uh, we appreciate you listening. And, uh, Ethan, I appreciate you taking, you know, an hour. Was this a two hour show? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, it's, yeah, Yeah, it's fun. It is fun. I, I, these are these longer shows, you know, there, there's usually a point around 45, 50 minutes from like, okay, let's wrap this up. But whenever you and I get together and talk, it's usually like, just let it roll, man. Cause it's always a good conversation. And I, I appreciate you taking the time on a Saturday night to, uh, to do that with me. So had my brandy in hand and i've enjoyed every minute very nice well i can't wait for the next one and uh listeners thank you again and just remember everyone's a wannabe